we're doing this series, and we've been lo- entitled it, The Last Sermon, dot, dot, of Moses, okay? And uh, we're looking at the book of Deuteronomy, and this is our fourth session in, in the series, and we're looking at chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. But remember, why are we calling it the last sermon of Moses? Because literally, Deuteronomy is the last three sermons that he preached to the children of Israel just before they crossed the Jordan into their promised land. And in, I, I, have, I have deep conviction that I'm not sure they would have been able to do what they did in terms of crossing a flooded river, um, conquering all, etc., everything they needed to do. If it wasn't for this word, this instruction, this injunction from their spiritual father Moses to tell them to go into, uh, enter their promised land. And, and I just feel very strongly, you know, every one of us has lands to conquer. There is, there's, there's stuff inside of you that God wants to come forth out of you and we are wanting to empower you and equip you and train you to enter your promised land and for us together as a community to enter into our promised land. Um, I think many of you would agree that the last few years under COVID, etc., it kind of felt like we've been in the wilderness, you know, like the children of Israel. And you know, wilderness wanderings, you know what's so interesting about this, this, these messages? If you just go to the next slide, I've just highlighted over there the three different sermons on the left, the three sermons and where they are. So we've looked at chapter 1 to the end of chapter 4. We've looked at in the previous messages. And there he's looking at the past record of Israel's journeys. And, and where is that? That is their wilderness wanderings. And I was just so struck this morning in prayer, pre-service prayer. We were praying. And folks, wilderness wanderings are, I believe, so essential so that we can enter the promised land. Because you don't want to go on these wanderings when you're in the promised land. Because then, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get taken out. But God uses, and Moses spends quite a lot of time reflecting back on what they've been through as lessons for where they're going to. And you know, sometimes we go through really rough stuff. And, and you know, when you're going through this, it is like, oh God, how, how, how come? You know, you got all those why questions flying around. But afterwards, when we process in a healthy way with God... The wilderness wanderings, our wilderness wanderings, literally, look, there are five chapters of him speaking from the past, of lessons you and I can learn from our wilderness wanderings. It's not a waste in God. God works all things for the good of those who love him. All our mess-ups can become our biggest lessons um, for life. So I really want to encourage you that, that God doesn't throw anything away. And, and I want to pick up a very important lesson that Moses highlights in chapter 8 we're going to look at. And so we are looking in... Um, yeah, no, it's fine. We we'll, can go to the next slide now. Okay. So firstly, I want to highlight this verse that is found in Deuteronomy 8. Now, you, I hope you all know this verse quite well. If you've been serving God for a while, Jesus spoke these exact words when he was being tempted by the enemy. And Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Such powerful words. I mean, we know it. I know these verses because Jesus spoke them. 
Now, there are a couple of things to learn, okay? That means Jesus read Deuteronomy chapter 8, amen? The other two verses he quoted in, temptation, in, in his temptation in the wilderness, in his wilderness, was also from Deuteronomy. So we know Jesus read Deuteronomy. Jesus would have memorized Deuteronomy because that's how they studied the Bible in those days. They didn't all have their own uh, Bible on their phone that they could easily just look up a verse how did they look up a verse? Well, they memorized it. And so when you needed to look it up, you didn't, you know, search on your phone. You searched in your brain for it, okay? Because you've memorized scripture. And so the verse was there. And so Jesus just spoke most likely from scripture memory. That's, if he'd gone to synagogue as a young boy, you know, he would have, he would have been trained in memorizing large portions of scripture, okay? But this is the verse found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And remember, Moses is speaking to a people who are about to enter their promised land. Folks, this is so important for us to remember. Folks, the Word of God is going to firstly empower you to enter the promised land. But don't let the promised land seduce you to the place where you think you don't need the Word of God anymore. And that the wonder and the beauty and the richness of God's word is lost because now you're in your promised land. You know, what does that look like? You know, you've got your degree, okay? You've got your green job, dream job, uh, dream car, you know, beautiful babe on the arm, whatever. Folks, when we enter our promised land, we still need to live by the word of God because God has more for us to conquer and it's not now we arrive. And this is the lesson Moses is trying to tell these guys. Guys, don't become complacent. Don't think you've done it in your own strength. This is what he's saying in this chapter. He's saying it's God. Stay dependent on God. And we're going to look at this. But firstly, we, the, this, in this verse and in this chapter, he's highlighting the importance of God's word. I mean, throughout Deuteronomy, he's the whole time bringing them back to remain true to what God has said to you. Obey his commands. Listen to God. Do not stray from his path. Time and time again, it's a main message. Moses is speaking to them. But I want to just highlight, for us, this is so important this year. Why? And if we just... Um, Let's see. Okay, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. So the first verse in this chapter that we're looking at this morning, this is what he says to them. He says, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may... Dot, dot, dot. And he gives you us four reasons why we should obey God's word. Now, I was like, we could stop right here. Here is a really good four-point sermon, but I'm not. I'm just highlighting... If you study Deuteronomy and you look at how often and how many ways Moses is motivating these people why they need to stay true to God's word, I mean, you could draw a serious list of reasons why we need to obey God's word. But here in verse 1, this is what he says. Firstly, he says that you may live. Now remember the, the, the previous verse we, we looked at, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That was the previous word. But the emphasis Jesus is using is the word live. And here we also have the word live. Moses has this deep revelation that God's word brings life, folks. You know, if you view God's word as just something that's meant to, you know, limit your fun and, you know, the, folks, you, you don't understand the purpose of God's word. God's word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is meant to bring life. The, and, and Paul said in Corinthians, he says, 
The letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. Folks, the word that the Spirit of God is breathing on is meant to bring life to you and to me. And if you're reading it, you know what's terrible? I, I've, I've, in later years, I wasn't always like this. I'm very cautious to try and win an argument using the Word of God. You know why? Because then... You could destroy that very word for the person you're trying to win the argument with. Because then you're using it as, you know, a hammer to just drive home your point. I'm very cautious. Folks, I'm very cautious in, in a disagreement with somebody to, to, just, to just pull out Scripture. Because, because, folks, Scripture is meant to bring life, not to just justify your side of the argument. And you may not be seeing it 100% correctly. And so I want to caution you. Let us not make war with each other with the Word of God. Can we, can we not do that? Allow the Word of God to guide you on the inside if you're trying to discern what's right and wrong, if you're having some disagreement with somebody. But don't bludgeon the other person with the Word of God. Amen? Let it guide you. Let it bring life to you. Amen? But don't, let's not wage war with each other with the Word of God. Amen? Now, again, the beauty is, you know what, I, I'm very cautious when I say these things that I'm not speaking about. There's, there's nobody I'm thinking about, okay? So nobody needs to look away and, you know, not look at me right now, okay? And everybody's like, I better look at the pastor right now, okay? Just know somebody thinks. That I, there's nobody. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. It's as a pastor, I'm saying, guys, we're going to have disagreements. But allow God's word to lead you. Don't try and, you know, let, that's not how we, how we do it. Amen. So... But this, he says, firstly, that you may love. And, and remember, Jesus used the thing of comparing bread to the Word of God. And I remember, why did Jesus do that? Because in that temptation he was facing, Satan came to him and said, You're hungry, you've been fasting for 40 days. Turn these stones into bread. And this is the word he used. But I want to say to you, you know, imagine a life where you just have bread. Okay, now, if you're very hungry, you say, oh, that sounds good, okay? But folks, I want to submit to you, you could exist on bread, but I'm not sure you could live. There's a big difference. You could survive on bread, but I don't know if you'll thrive. Do you think God just wants you just to make it through life and just kind of squeak into heaven with your big toe across the line, eh? I don't think that's how God wants us to live. He wants us to thrive. And folks, the emphasis Jesus is saying, it's not in the earthly things. Bread is, it's, it's not, you're not going to find abundant life there. You're going to find abundant life in me. Amen. This is so important. The next thing Moses says, point two, he says, and increase. If you follow these commands, you will increase. Folks, this is the very nature of the kingdom of God. Isaiah said, of the increase of his kingdom and his government, there will be no end. Folks, the kingdom of God is increasing. Whether there's recession or war or pandemic, nothing can stop the advancing of his kingdom. Amen? His kingdom is, Jesus said, pray from heaven down to earth. Amen? It's happening. No matter what's happening. Amen? Increase happens. That doesn't mean, though, that we don't go through times of pruning, okay? God, remember, 
a fruitful vine, he prunes, John 15, there are times he prunes. That doesn't mean the big picture of your life isn't increased, isn't him increasing, your sphere of influence increasing, your metron influencing, your, your, your spiritual growth, your maturity, that, all, that constantly increases. doesn't mean in a certain season of your life he's pruning away things in your life. Remember, Jesus said in John, the reason he prunes us is so that we may bear more fruit. The end goal is greater fruit. We can't measure that in months, days. Let's measure it over decades or a lifetime. That's how we measure the increase. Amen? Sure, pandemic, wow, you know, I've been indoors for the last two years, you know, hasn't been much increase. But folks, you can't judge a person's life over two years. Let's look at a lifetime. Amen. Increase. The Word of God brings increase. The next point, he says, is and may enter. Okay, he's talking about this promised land. Crossing the Jordan. Folks, I was talking to somebody recently and they were so frustrated. They've been in a job, the same job for years. I'm not going to mention the years because I don't want to expose anybody. But... The frustration that this person was experiencing just kind of stuck in a job. And I was so aware that the Word of God is also a sword of the Spirit. Sometimes you need a breakthrough to break out of where you are. The Word of God is going to empower you to do that. Amen? The Word of God has a breakthrough anointing upon it. Firstly, in your own life, to break through paradigms and restrictions and limitations inside of you, in what you, what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, etc., what you believe about the Word. The world's going to smash stuff inside of you, but what, what the Word of God ultimately is going to do, first inside, and then it's going it's to flow into your life, and you're going to see breakthrough and into the new areas that you need to go. But allow the Word of God to break open the limitations you have on the inside side of you. Amen. If you want to enter new things, you need the Word of God. You need to get into the Word. You say, God, cut me deep. The sword of the Spirit, uh, joint and marrow. Remember Hebrews? Hebrews 4, um, sharp, they need two-edged sword. We need the Word of God to cut us and cut all those restrictions off us. I want to just mention an example of restrictions. I remember John Maxwell. He's the amazing guy in leadership, and he shares the story. And I, I, it's, it's, it's a story that just, it's so memorable. So apparently, I mean, you guys know fleas. You remember once in a time, you, you know, your friend had a dog and the dog had fleas. And these things would jump. Have you ever seen how far a flea can jump? I mean, these things can jump like the dog's over there. And, hey, what's it doing on me here? But what they did, they put these fleas in a container with a, with a glass lid. I don't know how big the container was, but it had a glass lid. And they put a whole bunch of fleas in there for a while. And these fleas would jump and hit their heads on the glass lid and kind of learn a lesson, go down. And do, after you've done this a couple of times, you know, your head has got a bit of, bit of a ringing sound inside. And Mr. Flea decides, I must not jump so hard and so high because otherwise it's going to hit the lid. Now, apparently, as John Maxwell said, and, and I mean, you know, he's a Christian. He won't lie. Okay. <laughs> apparently, what they then did after a while, they took the glass lid off this container with these fleas in. And the fleas did not jump, jump higher than the level of the glass lid because they didn't want to hit their heads on the glass lid. Now, I, I mean, it's one of those stories like, it's a really good story. I certainly hope it's true because it makes so much sense. But his point was in this is that we have glass ceilings. 
We kind of try something and we hit our head and we learn no, we mustn't try and go so far. Now, absolutely, there are godly boundaries and we don't want to go beyond what godly boundaries. But sometimes it's fear. Remember what Ntokuzo spoke last time? It's fear that's not of God that's actually restricting us. And we need the Word of God to come to, to destroy the fear inside of us. So we say, no, actually, that, I can jump higher than this. Amen? We, we can take the glass ceiling off our lives. That was a good little story. So to enter, we need the Word of God. And fourthly, why we need the, God, the Word of God is to possess the land. The fourth point. To possess the land. Okay? That the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Okay? It's coming. To possess the land. Folks, so it's one thing to enter the land. But the next thing is you want to possess you and take a hold of it. Remember, for the kingdom, for the king and his kingdom, amen? And, and, and remember, we've looked at the various dimensions of, of the promised land. I'm not going to look. We put about 30, 40 points on what this entering the promised land. We don't just want to go in and check it out and, wow, it's a nice land, and then kind of go back to the wilderness. It's like you want to possess land. You want to go in and possess land. To possess the land, you need the word of God. And possessing is more, is, 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 this is the deal, you know, even in, in military conflict, and there's military conflict in the world, they say it's, a very, it's one thing to sort of conquer a land, but it's a whole other thing to possess the land. Because, <laughs> hey, it's very different to actually, you know, take land to possess it and hold it. And you need the Word of God for both. I could go off there. I'm not going to. Okay. Now, I'm coming back to, and we're looking at, Moses is highlighting the importance for these people about to enter the promised land that they fully embrace the Word of God, okay? And I just was, uh, I shared this at our prayer meeting on Thursday. I, I was reading an email about the campus conference, the Every Nation Campus Conference coming up now in August. And in the email, the, the reminder was what the themes we started this year with in our prayer, fasting, and consecration, which was abide the power and beauty of God's Word. Remember the first week in Jan, or second week, we did it over here? Abide the power and beauty of God's Word. And I was just reminded that we are, what, what Moses is saying here is so tying in with the whole theme that we've been, uh, we as a every nation family of churches have been going after this year. Jo, uh, Jesus said in John 8.31, If you abide in my word, you truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, so many people just quote the last part of that verse, I'm in, the truth will set you free. But Jesus said, if you abide in my word, that's the first thing. Then you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. There are actually three steps to this. Can you see? Abide in my word, okay? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People just say, the truth will set you free, truth will set you free, be free, truth will set you free. But they're not abiding in the word. You're thinking all kinds of really crazy, anxious, fearful, stressful thoughts. That's not abiding in the word. And you're wondering why I'm not free in freedom. Abide in the word. Then you know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. Amen. And in the email, and I read it at our prayer meeting, and it's on the next slide. As a global family of churches, we have agreed that in 2022, we will focus on the power and the beauty of God's Word. Our objective as every nation will remain to place a high premium on the power, truthfulness, and benefit of Scripture. God reveals Himself to us through His Word by which He transforms and empowers us. 
In 2022, we're calling everyone to a renewed commitment to read, understand, believe, and obey God's Word. Amen. And I was just reflecting, and I shared in a prayer meeting about just the, 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 the series we did on Peter and now on Deuteronomy, just really digging into the Word. And it's just, that is what the Spirit of God is speaking to us. And I shared also in prayer, when One came back um, from Botswana after six months there, she, she walked in, and I remember she was over here in the first service, and she said, I can just feel a rich deposit of God's Word in this house. So we just praise God. That's what the Spirit of God is doing in our midst, in our lives, in our community. Amen. Now, what I want to do is, I found this so helpful. I learned this years ago, and also doing L215, I I just, uh, 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 this was highlighted again. When we look, now remember, in the Old Testament, they had all these laws. I mean, if you count them, I don't know, 617 or something like that. But there are different categories of laws, and this is so helpful when you're reading the Old Testament to understand the different categories of laws that God gave to these people and how we apply them in our own lives, okay? So, so the three categories of laws are firstly civil, ceremonial, and moral, and we're going to unpack them. Three different categories of law. So firstly, the civil laws, okay? These dictated Israel's daily living and civil government, the principles behind these laws still apply. Okay? What are civil laws? Okay? In our nation, our constitution and all the laws and our statute books that, 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 that govern how our nation is to function, those are called civil laws. Now, this was a people in slavery and God gives them not just moral laws, you know, honor your father and mother, you know, do not murder, you know, those, those are good laws to have. But laws, for example, on ju- regarding judges, how to appoint judges, what judges were meant to be like, how judges were meant to judge issues between people. Remember, it was a farming, agrarian society. Many laws regarding farming and crops and, 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 and animals, etc. Now, a lot of those laws, I mean, we don't, well, I don't know about you. I don't know how many of you have a couple of goats at home or something. I mean, maybe you do. Then those laws would apply to you by all means. But for me, I would apply it maybe, for example... The, the Bible says that the wise man knows the state of his flocks, okay? A wise man knows the state of his flocks. Now, if you're a farmer and you have, whatever, 300 goats, it's good that you know the condition of your goats, amen? And if they need water, you get them water. If they need better grazing, you need to know the state of your flocks. How do we apply that to ourselves today? Well, I don't have goats but I have money in a bank account, amen? And I have various insurance policies and, you know, there's places that my money goes through debit orders. I need to know the state of my flocks. I need to know where the money is going. For example, I mean, the lady who, who works in our home for us, she, she came to Jenny literally this week and she, she got an SMS off a bank account from a, 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 not insurance company, a funeral company, you know, that, uh, yeah, they had taken off 400 rand for a funeral policy, and she did not authorize it. She'd, she said, I don't know this company. So Jenny helped her phone the company, they were able to reverse the payment and cancel, but it was a big mission. But that kind of a thing, how many of us are having, you know, 400 rand going off to some funeral policy you didn't take out, and you don't even know it, amen? So there's very simple scripture. 
A wise man knows the state of his flocks, okay? If you have goats, go and check your goats. If they need water, give them water, okay? If you have a bank account or a number of bank accounts or whatever, make sure you know what's going on in your bank account and check where the money's going and cancel the policy you didn't take out or don't need, okay? So we can apply the principle, amen? But, um, but we can't literally take those laws and apply them to South Africa, which, I mean, we urban dwellers here in the city, for example, and they also were, the, were a theocracy. They were directly governed by God. Amen? So there were many laws about how they were meant to function. So we, we can draw principles from them, but we can't literally apply them in every situation that we live in. The next category of laws are ceremonial laws. Dictated the ceremonial laws dictated their worship practices and sacrifices. Now, they point to Jesus and his sacrificial death on the cross. They no, no longer apply directly, however, the principles behind them still do apply. Now, remember, they had this elaborate system of sacrificing and different sacrifices, different times of the day and week and month and year, etc., all that was pointing towards Jesus. Amen? Now, I'm just so glad I'm not a priest in those days because I actually don't like blood. Any blood, my blood, your blood. Okay, you have an owie. I don't know. Go to my wife for a plaster. I don't do plasters and blood. Okay? I would not be a good priest in those days. I would have to resign. Praise God we don't do that anymore. Amen? Once for all, Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed for us. I'm happy with the blood of Jesus. Amen? But... Praise God that we can learn from this. And with the whole time, all that sacrificing was meant to point us towards Jesus, who would pay the price for our sin. Amen? We thank God for it. But I want to say this. Remember the cross is a hermeneutic filter. Hermeneutic filter. Okay, you've just learned a big word. Hermeneutics is basically the principles for for how we understand and study God's Word. There are principles, there are, for example, there are different kinds of literature in the Bible and how we, we, we approach and understand and unlock the meaning in various portions of Scripture. Hermeneutics is very helpful. For example, a, a poetic portion of Scripture versus a, a narrative, a story, you, you can't necessarily apply the same principles on, and, and, uh, the, in the same way. But the cross being a hermeneutic filter. Now, what's a filter? A filter, I mean, okay, most of you, I don't know, maybe think of making coffee, okay? You put uh, the, the, the ground coffee beans this side, above the filter, okay, in the, the little cone of filter, uh, of filter paper, and then you pour hot water in, hot water runs through the coffee beans, and you have brown water coming out the bottom, coffee, okay? But all the solid pieces are kept behind by the filter. A filter keeps certain things out, and allows certain things through. That's what a filter does. Now, what's a hermeneutic filter? The cross is a hermeneutic filter. There are certain things that don't pass through the cross, like all the ceremonial sacrifices and all that. that, that remember, Jesus, the high priest forever. A lot of that, that, that stuff and the robes and the clothes, it's all pointing towards Jesus, what he would do, who he is today, etc. But it doesn't apply to us because the cross is a hermeneutic filter, okay? That's just what I want to say about that. It's so important that certain things, for example, also that I'm very, very, uh, yeah, okay, I won't mention some of the other things. There are lots of things I'm actually glad about the hermeneutic filter that the cross is about, amen. But the other, the other carrier of law, very important, is the moral laws. For example, the Ten Commandments, which is a good summary of a lot of the moral laws, not exclusively. Found in Deuteronomy 25, uh, Exodus chapter 20 as well. 
They reveal biblical morality and they still apply to us today. Jesus quoted a number of the Ten Commandments. The disciples quoted a number of the Ten Commandments. But the beauty of this is that, remember, the Spirit of God comes and gives us a heart of flesh. And He enables, because He's in the inside of us, He enables us to fulfill and live. We actually want to live a life that pleases God. It's not something from the outside imposed upon us. God on the inside gives us a desire. We want to, for example, I want to honor my parents. Amen? Even though I've had some tough times with them. Amen? There's a desire. I still want to be honorable towards my parents. He puts that desire inside of me. Amen? Okay. So that, I just found that so helpful to understand the different categories of laws. We want to go on. Deuteronomy chapter 8. The one summary I was looking at for Deuteronomy 8, they said this. It's God's work of building humility in Israel during the wilderness wanderings. Building humility in us in Israel during the wilderness wanderings. And I want to say this about, here Moses is pulling out what can they learn from the wilderness wanderings. 40 years in the desert. Folks, it was hard. It was hot. <laughs> Remember Ntukosa mentioned snakes last time. In this scripture, it mentions the wilderness and the snakes and scorpions, etc. They faced quite a lot over there. And you know, three times, when you read chapter 8, three times Moses is highlighting either that God wants to work humility in them or that they're going to watch pride coming in, uh, coming in their hearts. And let's just look at uh, verse 2. It's on the next, uh, it's just down. Verse 2 of, the, of chapter 8 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. You know, folks, if you look back on your wilderness wanderings, and all of us have couple of chapters on wilderness wanderings, I'm sure. Many people draw great comfort from the fact that it was not a waste if we've learned something from it. And, and I'm not just saying Christian folks. If you, lead a, if you look at a lot of sort of motivational quotes and people talking about motivation, many people draw great comfort from the fact that, well, if we can learn a lesson from what we went through, no matter how stupid or crazy or hard it was, if we can learn some life lesson from it, it's not a waste. And, and you know, for some people, that, that doesn't motivate them. For me, it really does. I'm, 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 I'm a learner. I, 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 I do ask questions. And for me, if I can draw some lesson from what I went through, it's like, okay, that was worth it. And that is, I want to submit to you, that's one of the ways, you know, how does God work, work good out of all things? Well, one of the ways He can work good out of your and my wilderness wanderings is if He's working humility in us. And that's, that's a lesson. He's trying to drive home. He's saying, guys, if there's one thing you've learned in these last 40 years... Have you learned humility? And, and, you know, I reflect on some of my wilderness wanderings, and I'm like, sure, Lord, if that's the only lesson, that is such a worthwhile lesson. 
I'm okay if that's the good that you're going to work in my life through my wilderness wanderings. How about you? You know, in, in Connect Group this week, um, uh, in the Gents Connect, and we actually also in our Staff Connect, I, I shared about if you had to draw a graph of your life, and say it's a simple XY graph where the horizontal axis is just time, and the vertical axis, you are you are kind of plotting how you doing. Now I know that's a very brave, how you doing, good or bad, you know? Is it is it you know thumbs up or thumbs down, you know? And the times in your life that you know it's kind of thumbs up, things are going good. You would draw, you know, you going up. And the times where it's kind of thumbs down, life's really sucking right now. That really wasn't great. You know, those thumbs down times would be the graphs going down. And if, if you and I plotted a graph of our lives, most of us, there'll be ups and downs, ups and downs. I mean, that's just how life is. You know what's so interesting? Is I shared this in Men's Connect, I didn't. Is that if we have to look at our life, you plot a graph now, times you would do thumbs up and time, you would, you would have ups and downs, whatever. In your teens it, teens, it was like this, but then, you know, I went to varsity and I wiped out and it was definitely down and, you know, and then I met somebody and it was initially, it was great and then it went like, and then, you know, whatever. That's kind of how life goes. But how about when we look at that graph 10,000 years from now, when we're in heaven, and we are looking at it from God's perspective, what is God doing in our lives? You know, I want to submit to you that the graph, the graph may be, be exactly the opposite to the way you and I draw it right now. Because it's in those times that we would have said, oh, it's wilderness right now, that God was working such a beautiful humility in us. And what is a humility? A humility is, I want to say, it's, it's a surrender to God. A biblical surrender is, God, I give this to you. I trust you. I, I, you're in charge. And if, and if that is the measure of a life that glorifies God, I want to submit to you, sometimes we would draw the ups and downs, 10,000 years from now, we would draw it exactly opposite. And we'd say those times where we felt it was tough, God was doing the most in our lives. He was making, working humility in our lives. And God, I'm so grateful for those times. I think sometimes we would say, oh God, those wilderness times were amazing. I don't want it again, Lord. I've been there, got the t-shirt. But you did so much in my life. How about humility? If the only lesson we learn is humility, that is a beautiful lesson, folks. It's beautiful. Amen. Let's go on. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 6 to 9. Now, this is beautiful. He's highlighting and he's describing what this promised land is like. He's describing what this land is we're going to come into, okay? Now, he's describing a physical land. Amen. And remember, when we looked at those 30 or 40 places and spaces the land looks like, put those descriptions in there. Look what he says. Observe the commandments of the Lord your God walking in his ways and revering him. Again, you can't get away from the word of God here, okay? Verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. 
a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and the hills. Oh, can you just see the abundance of water? Can you hear the water streams and waterfalls? I mean, I was looking, I counted. How many words does he have here for water? Okay, let's just look over here. Okay, there's there's the word streams, pools, water, that's three, Uh, springs, okay? I mean, there's four different words for water. Can you just hear and see just water everywhere? Remember, in Scripture, water is symbolic of Holy Spirit. Folks, the land he's taking us is an abundance of Holy Spirit walking and, uh, sorry, in your life, empowering you, enabling you. Water, they couldn't do this stuff. Remember, all this water stuff, this is God's stuff. He sends the rain, the water flowing all over the world, all over the countryside. That's God's stuff. Amen? It's beautiful. Are you trusting God for a space in your life where it's just, wow, abundant, Holy Spirit all over the place? Amen? But then he goes on to say, verse 8, A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. Oh, guys, are you getting hungry? A land with bread will not be a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. <laughs> now you know I was reading this and I said, "Oh, this is beautiful. Water everywhere, fruit trees. You know, food growing, fields full of fruit. Everything." And then he says, "And you can dig copper out of the hills." I was like, "But that is hard work." Did you also kind of say, like this picture was going really good, and then it says you can dig copper out of the hills. When last did you guys pick up a spade and a pick and dig in the ground? How many of you, you know, my kids, Shane, they had, um, what do you call guinea pigs, many years ago. My two oldest that are now, I mean, Anne's 25, Heidi's 22, when they were little, they had guinea pigs. And guinea pigs, after a while, their lifespan isn't that great, the guinea pig dies. And then we need to have a funeral. So guess who is the undertaker in our family, okay? That means firstly digging a hole. When last did you dig a hole in Peter Maritzburg? When last did, did you find out how hard the ground is? Now if the ground is hard here, can you imagine how hard the ground is in Israel? In hills, okay? And that's, that's hard work. You guys see where I'm going? Folks, there is abundance here, but, but he starts with verse 8. Wheat and barley. Do you know wheat and barley doesn't just grow wild in the bush? Firstly, you've got to clear fields. You've got to prepare the fields. You've got to plow the fields. You've got to plant the barley. You've got to pull out the weeds. Uh, yeah, the, wheat, uh, the weeds, etc. You've got to tend the fields. Wheat and barley. Okay, who knows agriculture? Oh, Wonka, you know agriculture. Have you seen anybody around here where they wake up one morning and there's just a field of wheat outside their house? It just doesn't happen. It's work, guys. It's work. And then he says, listen, I've given you, there's copper not lying on the top of the ground. You can dig out of the hills. So I just want to highlight, you know, the promised land that God has for us, there is still this four-letter word called work. There's copper in them hills but you've got to dig it out. Amen? They still require, it still requires effort on your side. The water, the rain from heaven, heaven you, he doesn't charge you for the rain. It's free. But you've got to prepare the field so that when the rains come, your seed is in the ground and your harvest can grow. Amen? 
So I was just really struck by that. It's a beautiful land, but it requires effort on our part. Amen. Verse, uh, I want to go on to verse 11 to 14. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Now he's given this beautiful picture of this abundant land, water and fields and, and, and trees. And remember, even fruit trees need to be tended. I remember years ago, somebody said this to me. He said, don't forget to tend your fruitful trees. Don't forget to tend your fruitful trees. Now, a farmer, you know, so often you can have an orchard. My, my grandfather was a farmer and he had, um, I mean, it was in the Western Cape, and he had a couple of orchards of orange trees was his pride and joy and beautiful oranges. But often you would get a, a, a tree or two or couple that get some disease. And you've got to tend the diseased tree. You've got to sort it, otherwise it'll spread to the rest. But that doesn't mean you can't ignore tending the good trees that are healthy and are producing. Because if you stop caring for them, they stop producing. And my grandfather, he used to, uh, he used to get truckloads of, uh, for example, back in the day, natural fertilizer. He would go to the Karoo and get truckloads, go into the crawls where the, the sheep and goats and cattle are, and get the, the, the stuff that's left in the crawl, the dung, on trucks and take it and give it to his trees. And he looked, you've got to look after your trees. What are your trees? Folks, there are some beautiful, healthy relationships that you have in your life that are life-giving relationships to you. Are you tending your healthy relationships? You know, the mistake we can often make, there's another analogy, is that, you know the analogy, the squeaky wheel gets all the attention. You know, if you're pushing that, 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 that shopping trolley and there's that one wheel that's not, it's like you giving you all attention. But what about the wheels that are working well? What about the fruitful trees? Amen. It's not that we don't notice things that are wrong and we don't fix relationships that need attention. But don't let, let that pull your attention from the people that are blessing your life and you forgetting to, you know, do the birthdays and anniversaries, etc. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God. This is the theme of this chapter. Your heart becomes proud. We have all this stuff now. You got your fancy car and fancy house, etc. And you think, oh, I'm amazing. No, 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 it was God. And he goes on to say, verse 17, You may say to yourself, My power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. And I want, to, I want to finish with this. The ability to produce wealth. Could you just kind of turn to your neighbor and say, you have the ability to produce wealth? You have the ability to produce wealth. Now, why am I saying this? It's this verse is saying, but... But it says, God has given you the ability to produce wealth. You know, there are people, 
They're people that are, have realized how amazing God has made them. And they are like, I'm amazing. I'm phenomenal. I'm, uh, you, know, you know, God's gift to mankind. You know, they realize how amazing God is. But, but can you imagine if we connect that to God? This is what he's saying. Can you just reckon say, God, you've made me amazing. God, you've given me the amazing ability to have amazing ideas to create wealth. So many of us are looking, and I remember this one person. He was always talking about one day when he wins the lottery. One day when he wins the lottery, this is going to happen. And he's going to buy this car, and he's going to buy this house, and he's going to give all. Oh, and the other thing. You know, people who are one day going to win the lottery, they always tell you about how generous they're going to be and how much money they're going to give you. Have you, have you also know those people? They can say, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'll buy you a car, my brother. I promise you. They are looking out there for wealth to come to them. I know, you know, it's, folks, God has given you the ability to create wealth. Amen? God has given you the ability to produce wealth. Actually, I'm going to finish with a story. This is a good story. Okay, on the next slide. Vuyelwa Makile. Okay, none of you know her. I found her on the internet, okay? Uh, so, we, so we like this, okay? <laughs> is the proud owner of L&O Food and Braai, which caters for funerals, parties, birthdays, events, and meetings in a hometown of Duchua. How many have been through Duchua in the, in the Eastern Cape? I know one kid have been through Duchua. There we go. So, so I just found this. Folks, now, there's no indication in the story I read about her that she's a Christian. But she is producing wealth. She is a proud owner of a business. There's the name and the description over there. There's a picture of her standing with some of the food that she's about to deliver. But I want to share this story with you because, folks, our great delight is that God gives us the ability. It's not just me and myself thinking about these brilliant ideas. It's like me and God, we are going to do amazing things together. Okay, we can just read a little bit. Having walked the streets flat in search of opportunity, Vuyelwa soon discovered that there are possibilities around every corner. You just have to get out there and find them. God has given you the ability to produce wealth. Let me just tell you a story. Don't get any slide before I do. So her story is when she was nine years old, her parents died, both her parents, and she had to go live with her father's mother. It was a big home. There were lots of kids. Granny was caring for lots of family members. And she just had to go help, help the family survive. She had to get a job. Fortunately, she got a job in the local supermarket where she was promoting things. She worked there every holiday, etc. She earned money. Then she went to uh, Mtata to go study business administration. Yo, no other people study business administration. Don't put up your hands if you're studying business administration. Okay. But when she was there, she hustled. She was selling cosmetics and handbags, okay? When she finished her studies, she came back to Duchua and she used the money from a cosmetics business and she opened a spaza shop and she got a container and she was selling goodies in the container, okay? But she used that money to develop this other business. And then people were coming to her in her spaza shop and saying, man, don't you sell rations? And how about, you know, whatever, stumble? And they're asking her for all these other things, okay? Uh, there we go. Yeah, mention it, all the traditional cheese. I don't know these dishes. I read about it. All these traditional dishes. They're saying, I want this and want this. But this was the deal. 
When she used to be in a granny's house, she often had to cook. And she always got lots of compliments about her cooking. And so people are asking her for this food. And she was like, well, I can cook. So she started making this food and selling it as well. Then, sadly, the, the container, the person wanted his container back, so she lost her container, and she decided, okay, I can't have a spaza shop, but I can still cook food, and that's where she transitioned to functions and parties, etc. And now she is cooking food and delivering food. To, but, but I want to notice, uh, look what she says. Soon no, just go back. I'm going to read that slide again. Vuyel was soon discovered that there are possibilities around every corner. You just have to get out there and find them. He's given you the ability to create wealth. You've got to get out there and find them. And just on the next slide, what she said. She said, Vuyelwa says that running a business and being a mother at the same time, 2020, she had a baby, uh, at the same time is no easy task. She adds that she plans her day so that she can fulfill all her responsibilities. Well, if you study business administration, you've got to plan your day, right? Okay, so it's coming in there. I can see it. She emphasizes patience in business, stating that sometimes it works well and other times it fails miserably. Okay, don't say amen right now. We know it's hard sometimes, okay? Therefore, people must be aware of this. Otherwise, quitting is much simpler than starting. Remember, Steve Merrill says... You know what day is good to quit? Tomorrow. Today is not a good day. Okay? But of course, when you get to tomorrow, it's not tomorrow anymore. It's today. So then you, you can only quit tomorrow. Okay? And it's a good view of, of quitting. One thing that always helps her is whenever she considers quitting, she always remembers why she started in the first place. Amen? Coming back to the original motivation is so important for us. Amen? God has given you the ability to create wealth, folks. In humility, we embrace that. We're not trusting, trusting for the lotto to sort out all our problems. Folks, we're walking with a God that has a promised land for you and me. And we're saying, God, according to your word, I'm going to live according to your word, and we are going to see your promised land for us. Amen. Let's pray. Maybe if you could just stand. I'm going to pray for all of you. Lord God, I want to pray for every single one of us here, Lord. Every one of us, Lord, we are, we, we have wilderness wanderings, Lord, firstly, that we've been some places. And God, we bring those spaces to you. God, if there's nothing else you work in and through that, Lord, work a humility. Lord, a dependence on you, a realization that we can't do it in our own strength. We need you. God, work humility in me and every one of us. God, so that when we enter the fullness of the promised land you have for us, we're not proud and arrogant and say, look what we did. We're so amazing. God, we want the world to know that you're amazing. And God, so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you, God. May your word do a deep work in us that your word would enable us to have life, Lord. Your word would empower us to enter, Lord, and to possess the land. God, I pray for, for, for a deep work of your word in our hearts, Lord, that we would enter your promised land, Lord, and we would have the life that you promised in the promised land. Thank you for the water. Thank you for the streams. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for your amazing provision in every place you're taking to us to. In Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you for your word. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 God bless you folks.
you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za and for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.